shit. I am so excited for tomorrow's game. I just got to start there. Ladies and gentlemen, this is nobody is shiftier because, in fact, nobody is shiftier than the shifty hippo. Guys, seriously, this game tomorrow between the Seahawks and the 49ers, this is going to be the first time in a while that I've really dove in on a football game, full-blown fanship, let's go, let's go. Throughout this year, and I, I think I've iterated this a few times over, I didn't really have high expectations this year for the Seahawks. I thought they were going to be 3-14, and 14, maybe 4-13. and 13. That was what my expectation was set at. And then we went to our bye week. We were 6-4. and four. Coming out of this, I mean, it. this part does suck. We had, at 6-4, and four, our next three games coming off of a bye against the Raiders, the Rams, and the Panthers. And by the way, the Raiders and the Panthers in Seattle. Okay? We dropped that one to the Raiders. Well, shit. Now we're 7-5. and five. All right. Well, we should just clean up the Rams and the Panthers real quick. That'll put us right there. Nine and five, or eight and five, rather. Good to go. Well, we beat the Rams. Barely. And then whatever that was against the Panthers happened. And, I mean, I, I can explain a couple of pieces to what happened last game. First of all, Seattle ran the ball with running backs only ten times. I say with running backs because Geno ran three or four times, and we also had a handoff, probably on a jet sweep, even though I don't remember seeing it with uh, Marquise Goodwin. I say with running backs specifically because you, you can't really blame Seattle for not giving running backs the ball more because Kenneth Walker wasn't playing, hurt himself, he had a uh, – a strain in his foot, unlike anything Pete Carroll's ever seen. Take that at what you will. I just still find the injury kind of odd. Not that I have like a conspiracy theory. I just find it odd. I'm not used to a coach saying, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. So don't know how to evaluate that one. Rashad Penny's been out, broken femur, set to return for the start of next year, which it by the by the way, at that point, he'll be a free agent. He's not necessarily coming back to Seattle. And I wouldn't be shocked if we don't re-sign him anyway. We've had him for four years. He's been hurt at some point every year. I, I don't even know if he's played half of a season in its entirety. I mean, I, I would imagine if you piece little parts of a season together, but I, I don't think he's played eight straight weeks in his career. I don't think so. TJ Dallas also didn't play. So we we had three running backs not playing last week. So it was just Travis Homer and uh, this Tony Jefferson guy that we had just picked up prior to the last game against the Rams. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really say that I blame Seattle for not handing the ball off because, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Hand it to Travis Homer 20 times and see what happens? I – I mean, I think you have to hand them the ball more than the nine times that they did. But I still think you're kind of already in a position where you're not going to be able to do that much, right? 
So this puts Geno Smith now in a position where he needs to essentially be the entirety of the offense. Well, here's the problem. When you have one thing that's going to be the entirety of your offense, well, what the defense does is they say, hey, that's going to be the entirety of their offense, and they're going to send everything they got at Geno. They're going to be sending blitzes. They're going to be doing what they can to make it very difficult for Geno to succeed. By the way, I know that Geno has had a phenomenal year, but let's just remember that this is still a quarterback that nobody would truly consider to be a top 10 quarterback in the league. Most would probably not have him in the top 15. I bet, you know, if I really started thinking this through and I don't have it right in front of me or off the top of my head, I don't know if Geno Smith's top 20 quarterback. <laughs> Going into this year, I would have told you he was the 32nd best starting quarterback in the league. I was wrong. He's better than that. He definitely is. But he's not somebody that you would throw in the category of what his numbers have suggested, which is like Herbert, Allen, <laughs> Burrow. He's he's up there with those guys in yardage, touchdowns, completion percentage. I, I think he's still like top two in the league in percentage. His quarterback rating still top five in the league. It's it's ridiculous what he's done this year. But that's been with the benefit of being able to hand the ball off. Sure, we've gotten in a few shootouts where we haven't really had to run the ball much just because both defenses have been giving up big plays. But that's not really the way we predicate our game. We need to have that rushing attack, and without it, that's what defenses are going to do. That was Carolina playing defense that way, and they were able to do that. Imagine what teams like San Francisco could do. Luckily, Kenneth Walker is... Projected to play, although still questionable. DJ Dallas is questionable. Really hoping those guys play. But again, I find myself now 7-6, and six, and I'm looking my next three games in the eyes, and I see the San Francisco 49ers in Seattle. Two games up in the division, so even if we win, it doesn't make us tied for the division lead. Christmas Eve, we go to Kansas City. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I don't think it's going to end well. And then we got the Jets in Seattle. And, you know, I mean, San Francisco this week is beatable. They are in question. Who will their quarterback be? Because Brock Purdy did hurt his oblique. And there is a chance that he does not play tomorrow night. And that would leave Josh Johnson there to take the reins, uh, who I believe they just signed a week ago when Jimmy went down just to have a secondary quarterback. I mean, Josh Johnson's a pro. He's a veteran. He's been around the league. I'm sure he can fit into whatever offense just fine, but it's clearly not going to be the Brock Purdy that's been there the entirety of the season. has gotten very familiar with both the offense and the characters that he has on that offense. Additionally, I mean, we know that Elijah Mitchell's been out, so – that, that bodes well for them being a little bit hurt in their own rushing attack. Debo Samuel not playing this week. He hurt himself, which, by the way, good for him that that's not a serious. I mean, it, it, it looked so bad compared to what the injury actually was. So I am happy to hear that Debo Samuel's not you know going to be missing the rest of the year and you start worrying about his future. Sounds like Debo Samuel's going to be fine. So that's a win. But – it's also a win for me that he's not there this week. 
I look at this, there's a potential of the quarterback not playing. Maybe it's Josh Johnson. Keep in mind a running back, too, Christian McCaffrey. He gets hurt very often. I'm not suggesting that Seattle needs to go hurt him. <laughs> I'm simply suggesting that it's very rare that Christian McCaffrey can carry an entire workload without suffering his own injury. So there is a chance that this is Josh Johnson. I wouldn't be shocked if Christian McCaffrey ends up leaving this game. And this is not like a bad omen. This is legitimately, I don't often see Christian McCaffrey make it through a season. I don't think he's missed a whole lot this year. And now the workload's going to be his. I think there's a real chance here that he's maybe more limited than people will immediately assume. Because a lot of people right now are thinking he is the best thing to have in fantasy. He's going to have all the rushes, all the catches. Debo's out. Mitchell's out. That doesn't bode particularly well for Christian McCaffrey. Not that I have any ill will towards him. I, I think he's an amazing player. <laughs> he does some really cool shit. And also, I love his dad. So, <laughs> so know that I mean no ill will towards Christian McCaffrey. I just simply am stating that I very rarely see this guy play a full season, especially when the workload's on him. Debo Samuel's out. So now we look at guys like Brandon Ayuk. Okay, well, we got corners that can cover him. Hell, I got pretty good pass-defending linebackers. They can probably do a pretty good job with him. I mean, I, I'm not really that worried about what they got after that. And don't, I mean, don't trot out the, the Kittle thing. Like, Kittle is terrifying. I mean, yeah, he's a monster with the ball in his hands. But Kittle, as he's getting older here, he's been reduced a little bit more as far as what his play in the field is and he does a lot more blocking for that team than, I mean, he always has been a blocking tight end to an extent, but he's almost had his prerogative shifted to that being the primary asset of what he brings to the table, which he is incredibly good at. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same monster that I think we saw two, three years ago, as far as a pass catching option. And I think that bodes well for Seattle. I'm not too terrified about what their offense is able to produce right now. And even though I'm not terribly excited about what my offense may or may not be able to produce, because frankly, look, this is still the best defense we're going up against in the NFL. Make no mistake about that. I, I believe there are some very good defenses this year. Baltimore's got a great defense. New England's got a great defense. The Jets have a great defense. Denver's defense has been pretty damn good. It's fallen off a little as of late, but it's, I mean, they, they spent the whole first half of the season losing one score games. They weren't even allowing 20. They just couldn't score 20. None of these teams can do what the Niners can do on defense. That defensive line is terrifying. Fred Warner might be the best cornerback in the NFL. Their secondary, I mean, it's good. It's not It's not as good as their front seven is. It's, or really, it's not as spectacular. It's not as great. It's not this incredible thing that makes you terrified. But it's still solid. It does its part. Luckily, we have receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that are better than good. I, I don't know. Well, I, is there a step between good and great? <laughs> DK Metcalf has all the great potential, but I don't know that I'd say he's great. Tyler Lockett is probably at whatever really, really good is as far as the category. He does some things great. 
so as does DK. I mean, DK, Jesus, he's just such a physical gift. Defensively, I mean, if we can, I mean, we have to figure out this run defense. The, the funny thing is, is when you look at Carolina's rushing last week, Dante Foreman carried the load 21 times, 73 yards. We, we mostly stuffed the big man. We, we stuffed the guy, for the most part, that you really kind of feared. But then they had this little Hubbard guy running around. He didn't run a whole lot. He ran it, I think, 13 times, something like that. Averaged about five yards carry. Okay, that's not ideal. That uh, black shear guy that got into the end zone. Didn't even know who that was. <laughs> Legitimately didn't even know who that was. Saw him going into the end zone. I heard, I actually heard somebody at the bar make this joke. <laughs> and it, now he was doing it more so in the douchebag, like, uh, you know, your prototypical everyday fan, your casual NFL fan. He goes, I didn't even see that guy come up in a fantasy league. I'm like, well, come on, dude. I typically know rosters at least fairly well. I've never heard of that guy. <laughs> I mean, granted, I guess Carolina hasn't been the team I've been paying the most attention to by any means, but the point of it being is that we got torched by guys that we should have been torched by. We're going to have to figure that part out because even without Elijah Mitchell and even if Christian McCaffrey isn't going to be getting the ball 25 times in handoff scenarios, they – and by they, I mean the 49ers, over the course of the Kyle Shanahan era, doesn't matter who they bring into that lineup. They run, and they run well. Tevin Coleman, Christian McCaffrey, came over there, made it work immediately. You know that guy, Jeff Wilson, that randomly blew up in Miami there for a little bit? Yeah, he, he was doing it over there first. Raheem Mostert, remember him? Yeah, I do. A lot of these guys that San Fran has... They don't do anything anywhere else. They just work in San Francisco. It's the same thing. If you remember Mike Shanahan, Kyle's father, as a coach for the Denver Broncos back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the running backs he had after Terrell Davis, because we know that Terrell Davis is great. And you know what? I'll give it that Clinton Porpoise was just a very good running back. But just think of all some, some of the other guys that he had that he made look really good. Thousand-yard seasons running the ball. Orlandis Gary, Mike Anderson, Ruben Drones, Tatum Bell. You know why there's probably like 80% of you that don't even know the names I just listed? Because they just worked for a couple of years in Denver. They took money elsewhere, and you never heard from them again. Clinton Portis is the exception. He went to Washington. Did great. <laughs> that was it. I, I think Tatum Bell ended up going to Pittsburgh and it didn't work. Mike Anderson, I want to say, went to Baltimore and it kind of sort of worked. There's a third running back. At the time, they had uh, – I'm getting off into the weeds here, but they, they, they had Mike Anderson over there with um, Ricky Williams and I, I don't think it was, was post-Jamal Lewis. Who the hell else did they have? Was it? Maybe it was still Jamal Lewis. Or maybe it was the beginning of Ray Rice. No, because Mike Anderson wasn't around that long. I don't think. Uh, either way, he ended up being a third back, essentially, in Baltimore. Ruben Drones went to Cleveland. Didn't hear about him ever again. I don't even know what happened to Orlando Scary. He, he had a good season in Denver and then 
fell off the face of the earth. Couldn't even tell you where he landed. Point of it being is that this is in his blood, man. That he can just take a running back, and they're going to rush for four and a half, five yards carry. Seattle's going to have to do something to stop that. But I'm not worried about their pass game right now. And Seattle, oddly enough, is getting just over three sacks a game. They're, they're one of the better sack defenses in the NFL, which is kind of odd to me. They don't have a particular pass rusher that's doing it. I think they're led in sacks by Uchenna and Wosu, who is one of our outside linebackers, who also does play pass coverage. Like, we're not talking about a guy that's a linebacker, but really is just a pass rusher. We're talking about a legitimate linebacker. We don't have, like, a guy. We just have a team effort of guys that do get to the quarterback. I find it kind of strange because I feel like pass rush is actually something that we lack as a team. However, we are towards the upper echelon anyway of, of teams with sacks. I'm not worried about that piece to it, regardless of the quarterback back there. The only thing that worries me is how good San Francisco's offensive line is and how impenetrable that might be, especially, I mean, everything about Trey Williams is terrifying. That guy's a monster. Our linebackers are good. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever watched Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton. Those two are really good. And then, as mentioned in Wosu, he fit in perfect, man. We we brought him in, and week one, he was contributing. I wasn't sure how that was going to work, because I was like, ah, at least we got two good backers. No, we got three. Jordan Brooks is Pro Bowl-type level player. Cody Barton, maybe not quite as much. And Wosu, maybe not quite as much. But they're right about at that border of it. Our corners, I mean, they're they're good. They're very talented, but they're raw. Tariq Woolen, obviously, is one of the interception leaders in the NFL right now, by far the most on our team. And Kobe Bryant, I mean, he didn't get a whole ton of credit being, <laughs> being alongside Sauce Gardner there in college, but, I mean, he looks pretty damn good to me. Didn't look as good as Sauce Gardner, <laughs> but neither does anybody else. So I look at the corners and I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, considering what we're going up against this week, I think our corners could have pretty solid success. I would say above moderate. I look at our safeties. Quandre, Quandre Diggs made the Pro Bowl last year. I don't know if people forget that or people probably don't even know that. Quandre Diggs is a very good free safety for us. And we got – Ryan Neal playing the other safety for the most part. And I mean, it's, it's been a little bit of a, of a package deal. Sometimes it's Ryan Neal. Sometimes it's Michael Jackson, which yes, is a football player on our team. We we've had some kind of in and out pieces there. I, I believe I've even seen Marquise Blair make an appearance, but by committee, it's worked out pretty well. I think that I think Seattle's got a real shot at this game. And for me coming into the season where it was, Seeing where it got to and then seeing where we've gone since, I'm excited because that's all I can be. Like, this to me was supposed to be a dead year, and we kind of ruined what we had, but we still have a chance. And this game's huge for that because if we drop this one and we're seven and seven, I think we're going to be seven and eight after that because I don't see us beating the Chiefs. If we're seven and eight, okay. I mean, best we can be is 9-8. and eight. Hope that gets in, but, I mean, even though the Giants and the Commanders have a very difficult schedule the rest of the way through, i got to think that they'll be able to pick off some wins. 
I mean, the Giants and the, the Commanders play each other again this week. Now, if the Commanders win that, maybe the Giants really don't win anything else. Well, there's a there's a chance we get in. But you got to worry about something. I, I'm going to start talking a little bit about other games last week. But I do want to get this take off the ground here. I did this on Jacked and Canned earlier this week, and it, <laughs> it didn't land mostly due to a connection issue that I was having with my co-host. Uh, he was in a car and he had hit a dead spot. So I unleashed this big news on him or this big prediction and it fell on deaf ears. He couldn't hear me. He legitimately came back and just made a joke about it. And he actually really didn't hear what I said. I don't think the lions are going to lose again. I, I think that they're going to beat the jets this week. And I, I looked at their schedule, their last three games, not good teams. Actually, it might even be the rest of the NFC North with the exception uh, or, um, the Panthers are in there. And then I think it might be Green Bay, Chicago. I, I don't see Detroit losing those games. I just don't. This is the last tough game Detroit has. I think Detroit is one of the better teams in football right now. And I don't say that lightly. I don't mean like, oh, man, they're, they're, they're hot and they just look really good and everybody's rooting for them. So I think they're good because, no, if you've seen these guys play the last, like, four games, five games, they've gotten good. Their defense that was, like, historically terrible early this season, it's good. Like, it's not great. They, they don't have one of these one of these San Francisco-type defenses, no. But it's become better than average. Their offense, after starting off historically great and then having just a total drop-off, it came back and it's come back strong. Oddly enough... I really thought that when they uh, when they traded away T.J. Hawkinson, that was I thought that was it. No, <laughs> it's uh, not that I thought he was the entirety of the reason for the success. I just thought there was going to be a somewhat of a letdown because he was a pretty big target there in Detroit when he was playing there just earlier this year. Obviously, big week for uh, D.J. Chark, and Amon Ross St. Brown continues to just be this unsung hero well maybe a little bit sung hero he's one of the better receivers in the nfl <laughs> i hope people are paying attention to that but in all seriousness i think detroit's gonna end up being 10 and 6 so if detroit's 10 and 6 well okay washington ends up being 9 7 and 1 and the giants have eight wins okay we can still get in with nine i don't want to bank on that i think this game could be potentially the make or break for if Seattle can make it to the postseason. And obviously, by winning this game, it doesn't mean that they're in. They still have to play Kansas City, which, you know, I, I think that one's a loss. And then it's the Jets and the Rams. The Rams played as close the first time. And look, the Jets are no pushover. The Jets are fighting for their own playoff life right now. They're 7-6 seven and six also. If they do lose to Detroit this week, they're going to be 7-7. Seven and seven. They're, they're going to be coming to Seattle in two weeks past. I... It doesn't sound promising to me either. So what I really want to see is Seattle get this win tomorrow. And guys, I am so fucking excited about it. I know I've talked for now about 25 minutes just about this game tomorrow. I am in love with the prospect of what tomorrow can be. For those of you, by the way, that do listen to Breaking Down the Tape, and especially for those of you who enjoy our watch parties that we do, uh, we, I believe, are going to be doing a live tomorrow a little live first half coverage 
I will tell you that it's not going to be the same version that you usually see of me because most of the time I'm sitting where I am right now and I'm talking to the guys. And even though the game's on in the background, I'm vaguely paying attention because let's be honest, A, I really like hanging out with the guys from breaking on the tape and talking about whatever we want to talk about. Secondarily, a lot of the Thursday night games, they really don't matter. This one matters. I don't think I'm going to be mostly sitting down at my microphone. I'm going to be pacing back and forth next to the TV, watching the game, yelling at the TV. I'm going to be in full-blown fan mode. I'll be decked out in all my Seahawks shit. I'm going to be ready to go. So if you guys are into that, check out Breaking Down the Tape Live tomorrow, Thursday night. I say Thursday night because I just now realized I don't know if this is going to be out by today, tomorrow, when this episode will be out. I imagine before game time tomorrow. But if you're hearing this and it's, you know, maybe Thursday around 8 o'clock, eh, you might just want to go check out the live. You'll get to see a different version of me. It's not going to be me all buttoned up, ready to talk, give all my takes, give a whole bunch of points, give statistical backgrounds. It's going to be me being a fan screaming at a television behind me. That's what you're going to get. So we're going to take a little sip of the beer. We're going to talk a little bit about last week's football. And we'll talk about the week ahead as well. All right, guys. I'm going to dive through the games last week here. I don't want to spend too much time on last week because I want to talk a little bit more about this upcoming week. We started off our week with, uh, with the Raiders at the Rams. Uh, after starting off with a 13-3 first half lead, the Raiders found a way to blow that to Baker Mayfield and his uh, triumphant beginning with the Rams. Uh, look, nobody really gives a shit. These two teams are both well under 500. If you're not somebody that's a fan of the Raiders or the Rams, you really didn't care much about this game. I, I don't think that anybody's sitting there like, oh, please talk more about No, nobody is. I don't think anybody is. Nobody in my audience anyway. Jets-Bills, I will say that that was probably the most competitive half of football that I've seen all season, the first half of that game. Everybody was fighting for every yard, and when I say fighting, I mean I thought they were going to start just breaking out like clubs and different weaponry. That was a physical fucking game. That was really fun. I enjoyed the ever-living hell out of that game. So, <laughs> take away from it what you will. Um, Mike White took away the brunt of it. <laughs> uh, he got, I mean, he got ragdolled, man. I, I felt bad for Mike White at a certain point there. Joe Flacco didn't, uh, didn't look like he was ready to come into the game. Oddly enough, still didn't really look like he was ready to leave it either. They, they, none of that made any sense, but the Bills able to hold on there. And I say hold on because the Jets had two chances to go make that a game. Like late in the game, the Bills should have already put the game away and they didn't. The Jets had chances, and they weren't able to capitalize. Kind of what last week was for the Jets. But the Jets do have, I believe, the second-best defense in the NFL. Buffalo's is up there as well. And they they really fought this game out hard. I mean, I saw some of the most intense football that I've seen in a very long time. It was extremely competitive. Very fun watch, even though the score wouldn't indicate that. Nothing statistically to speak of there. I, I want to say that uh, Josh Allen had like 147 yards passing. It, it wasn't a whole lot. Um, you might say, oh, but he ran all over him. Look, he only ran for like 47 yards. Yeah, he had that one touchdown. Yeah, yeah, he did. 
but this wasn't the Josh Allen just totally ripped you to pieces. I mean, this this was a hard-fought game that was a lot of fun to watch. Cleveland-Cincinnati, um, I mean, I don't know what you're doing making Deshaun Watson throw the ball that much already. Look, the guy just came back. What, are you just trying to get him to throw it so much he just gets his rhythm back? I, I mean, maybe. Maybe that's what their plan is here. Deshaun, go throw the ball a whole lot. Yeah, fuck it. I know we got Nick Chubb. We don't need him. I, I don't know what they did there. Uh, Cincinnati continues to stay hot. By the way, quick take that I do want to give about the Bengals. I've been saying all year that they were going to be a 9-8 and eight team. And I amended that last week. Granted, I didn't do this show last week, so I might not have uh, I might not have apologized here. So for those of you in the audience, I do apologize for being very wrong about the Bengals. Although I'll laugh now if they lose out the remainder and they go nine and eight. But they they appear to be one of the hottest teams in football. And this isn't just them getting hot. This is them being legitimately just better than I thought. Cincinnati's going to win this division. Cincinnati's a very dangerous team in the playoffs. And my apology for this week, that goes beyond what I gave last week on Jack and Cant. I think I've underrated Joe Burrow. I think that I've I've widely considered Joe Burrow somewhere between like the seventh and ninth best quarterback in the league. And I, I think I'm just wrong, or was. I um, I think if I'm really sitting there thinking about it. I'd have Mahomes one, Allen two, and I I think Burrow's probably next. He's really good. <laughs> I, I think I was putting too much into it being a little bit of the uh, Brett Favre approach where he just likes to sling the ball and he just happens to have three very good receivers. I, I don't think it's just that. I think Joe Burrow would be able to succeed with lesser receivers, obviously not to the same standard that he set here in Cincinnati, but I think Joe Burrow is just legitimately – a lot better than I gave him credit for. So that's my apology for this week. Joe Burrow, you're better than I thought you were. And I already thought you were good. Houston, Dallas, look, uh, we'll talk a little bit about this coming up. I'm not really going to say anything about it at this point because there's there's something I have for both these teams, but I want to talk about it with next week's games. Minnesota, Detroit, uh, yeah, happy I called this one. Granted, you know, it's kind of funny because Detroit was favored in this, and this was the first time, I think, all season that I saw almost everybody go the opposite way, where everybody's like, no, Minnesota's the easy dog to pick. We're all going to win a bunch of money. I'm like, no, I'll sit on the Detroit side. I thought Minnesota was going to be favored. I was thinking Detroit I, I was thinking Detroit regardless when I had seen their schedule for this last week. And when I saw that it was Detroit minus two and a half, I was like, shit. Well, there goes me being creative and sneaky. Uh, still turned out I was creative and sneaky because most people still picked Minnesota. Idiots. Am I right? By the way, this was not Kirk Cousins having a meltdown. I don't know if anybody saw. He threw for like 350 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had over 200 yards. That, did Kirk Cousins have 400 yards, actually? Because I, I know he threw the ball a lot. <laughs> I mean, this is not Kirk Cousins having, like, an ineptitude here. This was Detroit just outplaying him because Detroit is now that good. I am not kidding. <laughs> Philly and the Giants, um, thank God that Philly got back to throwing the ball the way that they just did over the last couple of weeks, really, because I, I was getting worried there that they were doing too much in the theme of running the ball and shying away from what made them this amazing team which is that they can do both. 
they are gifted enough both in the passing game and in the rushing game that they can pretty much torch you any way they want. But they had gotten away from that passing attack after the Washington loss. They finally got back to it just a, a week or two ago. And I'm really happy that they did because they are legitimately this much better when they throw the ball. And Jalen Hurts didn't throw for much. He threw for like, I think it was just over 200 yards. That's okay. It doesn't need to be this all-out aerial assault. It doesn't need to be the Chiefs or the Bills offense. It just needs to have a lot more passing than what they had been doing against teams like Indy. And I'm trying to think of who else they even played. But starting with the Tennessee game the week prior here, they really turned it back up. And part of that, I'm sure, was A.J. Brown getting to play against his old team. They wanted to throw him the ball a lot, sure. But it looked awesome. And I'm very happy to see them get back to that. Baltimore-Pittsburgh, uh, holy headache, huh? Lamar Jackson was out of the game, so Tyler Huntley gets the start. Kenny Pickett gets a concussion in the first quarter. Tyler Huntley, not too far behind, gets his own concussion. Um, yeah, this game wouldn't have been fun to really sit down and watch in its entirety. But I will tell you that so, something in my head just said that Baltimore needed to have a game without Lamar Jackson, and they'd actually oddly figure it out. It was a game that I had picked that most people had picked as a Steelers win. And granted, I think even if Kenny Pickett did play that whole game, I still think Baltimore would have won. I just think that Baltimore needed a change somewhere on offense to get away from, okay, it's Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson stuff. I think they just needed a little something else. I, I think that actually might benefit them when he does return. And also, considering some of the losses there that took place, I mean, things are boding well for the, the Ravens to still be a playoff team. As I told you, I think Cincinnati now wins this division, but I do think Baltimore is going to end up with one of the wild card spots. Just considering that they already have that 9-4 and four record, I think there's a solid chance they end up still getting in. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, this, one, this one was an actual surprise to me. That was Trevor Lawrence's best game as an NFL pro. And it's, it's weird. The Titans actually executed pretty much what is their perfect offense. Derrick Henry ran the ball for 117 yards, I think it was. Had a couple of big plays in there. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball accurately for a little over 250 yards. That's pretty much the Tennessee success formula. But they gave up 36, which they're not used to doing. So... You know, this this one did surprise me, especially considering that Tennessee had lost their previous two games. I just assumed that there was no way that they were going to lose a third straight game, especially considering the stature in which they carry themselves as a playoff-type team. They're obviously going to win the AFC South because the division's just not very good. But I think a Tennessee is a little bit better than just the winner of the poorest AFC South. I think of the Titans as at least a relative threat to win a playoff game. I know that doesn't sound like the most impressive thing, but I don't think of them as the Chiefs. I don't think of them as the Bills. I don't think of them as the Bengals, the Ravens. Hell, a lot of times I don't even think of them as the Chargers. But I do think a Tennessee is better than like what Tampa's doing in the NFC South. You know what I mean? They're not just the shitty division winner of that shitty division. I think they're a little bit better than that, or at least I thought that. I might be wrong on Tennessee. But they're an odd team. We'll see what they do this next week. 
Kansas City, Denver. I did find it funny that Denver had their most offensive explosion effort this last week here, and they still lost. I mean, they started off down 27 and nothing. It's pretty difficult to come back from that, but they damn near did. Obviously, Russell Wilson leaves the game, concussion-like symptoms, and, you know, I hope that Russ is okay. I don't root against Russ. Just because he left Seattle does not mean that I root against him. I love Russ. He brought me a Super Bowl. Guy's all famer in my book. Fun game, nonetheless. We're going to move on. Carolina, Seattle, I already talked about it in depth. I don't want to talk anymore about it. Tampa, San Francisco, uh, Brock continues to purdy. Uh, yeah, the Bucs, they just don't look very good. I don't know what else to say. And San Francisco looks pretty fucking unstoppable. Miami and the Chargers, uh, very disappointing from Miami's perspective. Tua looked bad. 10 for 28 passing. Just everything that worried you about Tua going into the season, you've seen break out over the last two weeks with the exception of injuries, which broke out earlier this year. You, you really need to see Tua come back through and do something because that that was bad. And the Chargers haven't done a whole lot in the way of playing great defense this year. That was not the team to struggle against that way. So we got to see if Miami bounces back. From the Chargers' perspective, huge win because they needed that to stay in the playoff race here. The AFC is a lot harder to get in than the NFC. You wouldn't catch teams like Seattle, Washington, the Giants, Detroit. You wouldn't see them creeping into the AFC playoff picture. They simply wouldn't be. I know by record right now they would be, but they'd be playing AFC teams and they would be losing to AFC teams. New England, Arizona, uh, Kyler Murray goes down. What was it, the first drive of the game? Colt McCoy, one of the best backups in the league. So, I honestly, I don't think that that was the difference. Uh, Kyler Murray, obviously, is a difference-making player, but I think this game would have ended about this way, regardless of who was playing quarterback there. New England's very good defensively as far as taking away your best option. And if it was Kyler Murray, they probably would have shut down. They, they would have had a, a spy going on Kyler Murray, and they would have been doubling up on DeAndre Hopkins. Once Kyler goes down, they just say, okay, guys, back to base defense. We'll just beat Colt McCoy straight up. And that's what they did. So, guys, we're going to take a little sip of the beer. We're going to move over to next week. All right, guys, we already talked about San Fran and Seattle. Just know that I am so pumped about this game. With that said, I do have the Niners in this game, and I got them minus three and a half. That spread has since moved down to three, so if you think it might be a four-score game, this would be a good time to jump on San Fran. I will not be rooting for that to come to fruition, but that is what I've picked here. Got Indianapolis and Minnesota. Minnesota's only minus four in this game. I find that one to be a little bit odd. I think that people might be lowballing the Vikings right now coming off the loss to Detroit. Look. A, they were a team that only had two losses going into last week. They were eventually going to lose another game. Secondarily, Detroit's really good. <laughs> Indy's not. Uh, I think Minnesota's going to just wipe the floor with Indy. I really don't think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be kind of a slow burn. It's going to be like a 28-10 to 10 kind of game that nobody looks really incredible at. But they'll win by plenty. Baltimore, Cleveland, uh, they, this one's tough to call. 
I, I still haven't made a pick on this game. It's Cleveland minus two and a half. I want to know what's going on for sure at quarterback for Baltimore before I really evaluate this game because I don't feel very high on Cleveland at all right now. I think Deshaun Watson being out there is a it's a step down from what percent was bringing just because Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in so long. I'm not telling you that Deshaun Watson's not as good as Jacoby Brissett, but right now he's not. Right at this moment, he is not. Jacoby Brissett, by the way, was like top 10 in quarterback rating this year. <laughs> just, just to throw out a totally random thing for everybody. Uh, I, I don't feel good about Cleveland, but I need to know that Baltimore has something competent at quarterback before I can pick them. Miami at Buffalo. It's Buffalo minus seven and a half, and I think that spread's probably about perfect because if Miami can come in and really play with them, then Miami's the pick to make. And if Tua comes out and throws another 10 for 28 game, then Buffalo's going to win this by three, probably like 24 points. It's going to say three and a half touchdowns, like there's a half touchdown somewhere scored on the field. So the, this one, I got both, uh, Buffalo winning the game, but I haven't made a decision on the spread yet. Probably going to make that a little bit closer to game time. Atlanta, New Orleans. It's New Orleans minus four. Uh, it's hard to tell what's going to happen with that game. I mean, I can see that going either direction. Uh, go ahead and take your pick. I took New Orleans to win. I still, I, I think I might take Atlanta to cover just so that I'm kind of hedging myself and I get something either way. I, I don't know what to do there because that, that game, it, it's so random, especially with those two teams. When neither one of those teams are dominant, they play each other totally random. I wouldn't be shocked if this game's like 48-45 or if it's 17-13. Winner either way. <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. Pittsburgh, Carolina. Um, If Kenny Pickett plays, I think I like Pittsburgh here. Yeah, even if he doesn't, I still might like Pittsburgh here. <laughs> hey, the thing is, is like I, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on Carolina right after they beat Seattle as if like that's wise because I'm pissed off at them. I really think Carolina is one of the worst teams in football. I know that they have five wins, and they just – I feel like they shouldn't. <laughs> they have been so bad at quarterback all year. I just don't feel like Carolina should be in any consideration of winning. <sighs> I, I think I'm leaning Pittsburgh here, but I <laughs> hell if I'm telling you that I know exactly what's happening there. Philadelphia, Chicago, it's Philly minus nine. I think that's a pretty safe bet. The only thing you can really bank on if you're banking on Chicago there is that Justin Fields puts together one of those phenomenal offensive efforts again, like he was doing in the middle part of the season. And even at that point, Philly still wins the game. They still might even cover the spread. You just might get some exciting shit out of Justin Fields. But I, I think it's very safe to say that Philly wins that game. Kansas City, Houston. So we're going to talk about now, now that it's here, and actually Dallas is the game after this. So we've got Kansas City at Houston, Kansas City minus 14, and Dallas at Jacksonville, Dallas minus four and a half. So something happened last week. Dallas and Houston played. Houston being the worst team in football. Dallas being one of the best teams in football. Everybody thought Dallas was going to crush them. The spread was 17 points for Dallas. So for Dallas, what happened, they barely win this game. They have to eke that thing out right at the end of the game. What happens there 
you start to see the siding of, oh, we're going to overfavor Houston and we're going to undervalue the, uh, Dallas for the next week. So this is a hot time to jump on this. Houston's got Kansas City coming to town, and Patrick Mahomes already has 27 points on the board. Just keep that in mind. That means Houston's going to have to do something to keep up. I don't think that shit's going to happen. I think Kansas City's going to win this game, and it's probably going to be something along the lines of 34 to 10. Conversely, Dallas and Jacksonville. Well, the other thing that happened last week is Jacksonville got a big win against a good team. It's a divisional matchup. It was the best game we've seen out of Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that he's now all of a sudden just got to figure it out and Trevor Lawrence is going to become the next, you know, one of these Herbert monsters that just runs onto the field and starts dishing the ball everywhere. I think it's the same team that was just there. They just had a really good week. Dallas had a really off week. I don't think they're going to let that happen again. Four and a half is too low of a spread for this. I think Dallas wins this game by two scores. I wouldn't be shocked if Jacksonville makes it fun, but Dallas is going to win this game by multiple scores. Take Dallas in that one. We got Detroit and the Jets in a pick em. I already told you, Detroit's going to win this game. Detroit's a top 10 team in the NFL as far as I'm concerned right now, and the Jets are just outside of that. So I'm taking Detroit there. Do what you will. If you want to be a doubter, go ahead. I'm not doing this thing because I think it's like this hot take thing and it's like going to create people in dimensions going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Could you could you believe what Colt said? Like, I'm doing a thing. No, Detroit's just become a really good football team. I don't know exactly how it happened. They went from being one and six to all of a sudden they're six and seven. Look at them. The, it, the proof's there. It's in front of you. They got good. Their one loss was by three points to Buffalo. Like, come on, guys. Detroit got good. I don't know what else to tell you. Arizona, Denver. It's Denver minus three. Uh, I got to know who's playing quarterback for both these teams before I make a pick here. Um, I mean, Denver just had their best offensive game last week. I wouldn't be shocked if Denver actually does get a win here, but I have a hard time picking Denver because I probably picked Denver to win maybe six or seven times this year, and they just haven't. In the beginning part of the year, it's because I thought they were actually going to be good. And in the middle part of the year, I just thought they beat some of the bad teams they were playing. They didn't even do that. So I don't know what to do with Denver. And Arizona, I mean, there's clearly something going on between Kyler Murray and that organization beyond just this injury that just happened. You could see it all season. Uh, There's a lot of questions about that team for me right now, and I don't feel very good about picking them either. I would not touch this game if I was you. We got New England at Las Vegas. It's uh, New England by one. That's exactly what they had to spread in New England at Arizona last week. Um, I I like New England here. Uh, not that not that I want them to win. Believe me, they're the most boring fucking team in football. And Vegas Vegas has some cool shit. And I know Vegas did get about as hot as Vegas can get. Well, I guess somewhat pun intended because of the weather there, but. After Derek Carr's little breakdown at the podium, Vegas has been good. I mean, I don't think that they're good the way Detroit's good, but they've been playing very well. So I understand why the spread's very low. New England's fighting for a playoff spot, and I really don't want New England in the playoffs. Like, don't put that in my playoff picture, please. 
Like, I, I don't want to be watching football and it's the, the playoffs and it's every game is in its own time frame. And then my one game is New England and whoever. Take your pick. Unless it's against Mahomes or Josh Allen where I know I get to watch somebody light up even a good defense. I don't want to watch that shit. Get that out of here. Not for me. I don't want to watch New England in the postseason. Get them out of here. But I still think they're beating Vegas. We got Tennessee at the Chargers. <laughs> I feel like you got to take the Chargers at this point because now they're looking about as good as they can. And they're fighting for their playoff life. Tennessee's not really fighting as much for playoff life because they do have this division. And I know that they only have a two-game lead on Jacksonville who just beat them, blah, blah, blah. Jacksonville ain't going to win this week. Tennessee's going to go to L.A. They're going to know they have a two-and-a-half game lead already. I don't think that they're going to take it easy. Mike Vrabel's not going to do that. Coach Vrabel's not going to let them take it easy. But it's a little easier to keep it in the back of your mind that you already have a two-game lead, win or lose. And then maybe you just happen to lose. But I have a hard time with this one because I have a very hard time believing that Tennessee loses four straight games. So th this one, this one, honestly, I'm still up in the air about as well. But I think the safe pick here is to just stay with the Chargers. Just take what, what we've seen recently, Tennessee down, L.A. up. Okay, just take L.A. But I'm not saying that's what I'm going to do. I don't know yet. Cincinnati at Tampa, this is one that I did put money on. It's Cincinnati minus three. Uh, the Bucks look bad, and Cincinnati looks really good. I think this one's very clear-cut and dry. I don't think you have to do any fancy maneuvering with this one. You don't have to word things in a certain way to say, you know, this game's tricky. because The only thing tricky is that Tom Brady's sitting over there, and that fucking terrifies me if I'm any other team. <laughs> because at any point, Tom Brady might just say, you know what, I feel like it's 2007 again. I've been waiting for it all year, and it hasn't really happened. But that still scares me if I'm betting against them that that can happen. But every piece of evidence that we have seen all season indicates Cincinnati's going to win this game, and it's probably going to be by multiple scores. I would take Cincinnati here. In fact, I did. We got the Giants at the Commanders Sunday night football. Commanders minus four and a half. I would say you probably want the Giants on the spread, but I would take Washington to win. I think it's going to be a field goal game, if not another tie. Like, honestly, wouldn't be shocked. And it would be funny, and I feel like both those teams deserve that because I don't want either of them in the postseason, not just as a Seahawks fan, but because both those teams suck to watch. I mean, Washington at least has a little bit of fun with Heineke out there. I like Heineke. But he's not great. He's he's solid. He does some fun shit. Lets the ball go now and again. It's not great. Washington or New York, rather, just get them the hell out of here. They, they've been doing this all year. Like New York, every single week that they've won, I'm like, can can you not? I don't want you in my postseason. Not as much as I don't want the Pats in the postseason. And it's not a Pats hating thing. Their offense is just terrible to watch. Like, that's why I hate the, watching the Pats right now. It's The defense is awesome. I love the Pats defense. But their offense is so shitty, I just don't want to watch them. The Giants, to a lesser degree. Saquon Barkley's at least fun. Daniel Jones can occasionally make fun, but it's occasional. 
I don't want either one of these teams to win. So if they, t- I mean, I guess the only the only real polling factor I have here is that if the Giants lose, at least Seattle has a tiebreaker on them with the head-to-head victory. So I'll go ahead and take it. Last game of the week, we have the L.A. Rams at the Green Bay Packers. It's Packers minus seven. The Packers have looked better lately. I still think seven might be a stretch. L.A.'s coming off of back-to-back games here where they've played Seattle very close, and they edged one out against Vegas. I feel like Vegas and Green Bay, Vegas is just a better offensive version of Green Bay. But they're kind of the same team as far as just how good they are. Uh, I mean, I think Green Bay wins, but I think I think the Rams might be the pick on the spread here. Guys, let me reiterate. Let me take a little sip of the beer here. Tomorrow night, breaking down the tape. You can watch it on Facebook Live. You can watch it on YouTube. I think they have it set up to uh, to Twitter as well and Instagram. Come check us out. We do it every Thursday night. We watch every Thursday night game, and usually it's just us having a lot of fun. And we'll we'll talk football, but maybe not necessarily the game that's being played, depending on who's playing. Um, this week, I don't know what they're going to be doing. I'm going to be glued to the TV. I'll be sitting down during commercial breaks, and I'll be talking to everybody at that point. But this is going to be a totally different show from my perspective of being a part of the show. So, guys, without further ado, I'm going to get on out of here. I got some NBA 2K23 to get back into. My my player is already a 75 overall. I got to keep getting them up. I, I you know, we, we 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 don't mess around at 75. We got to get up to 80, and then after 80, we got to get up to 85, and then we got to make the slow progression to 90, up to 92, 93, 94. I'm going for 99 with this career. We're we're gonna do it. I haven't actually sat down and done it in a, in a little while. The last time I made a 99 overall guy sat through long enough to make him a 99 overall had to have been like 2k 14 or 15 i'm gonna do it with 2k 23 but that takes a lot of fucking time and effort so i'm gonna go put some of that in ladies and gentlemen this has been nobody is shit